Hey folks, you guys know I'm always diving into the dark corners of history, unearthing the stories that are sure to chill. Mastering the art of storytelling and research isn't just a passion, it's a craft. That's why I turned to Masterclass. Whether I'm analyzing historical documents or piecing together ghostly tales, Masterclass has been an invaluable resource in honing my skills. Masterclass lets you learn from over 200 of the world's best minds right at your fingertips. And the best part is it's all available for just $10 a month with an annual membership. I've been particularly captivated by the class on investigative journalism taught by Pulitzer Prize winner Bob Woodward. His insights into uncovering the truth may have transformed the way I approach each episode here. What's incredible is that 88% of members feel that Masterclass has made a positive impact on their lives. And trust me, I'm one of them. The depth of knowledge and practical tips I've gained have boosted my confidence and enriched the content that I bring to you every week. As a listener of Haunted American History, you get an exclusive 15% off an annual membership. Just visit masterclass.com slash haunted. That's masterclass.com slash haunted to save 15% on limitless learning. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So what are you going to lose? Don't wait. Join me and start transforming your passions into expertise by visiting masterclass.com slash haunted. I'll see you there. Growing up with two younger brothers, my toys rarely stayed in pristine condition. They were passed back and forth between us and saw their fair share of mileage. I recently moved into a new home, part of the reason for the lengthy delay between podcasts. And packing up some of my wife's things that she still had in her parents' house, we came across some of her brother's old toy bins. He was the only boy growing up with two girls, so needless to say, all of his toys remained intact. His yellow Ghostbuster VW bug car still transforms flawlessly. Bastard. The only toy of mine that I clearly remember being in perfect condition the last time I saw it when I stumbled upon it down in my parents' basement was my old My Buddy doll. The reason for that was because it scared the crap out of me as a kid. I used to swear up and down that its eyes used to follow me. The My Buddy doll was a toy brand made by Hasbro in 1985 with the intention of making a doll to appeal to little boys and teach them about caring for their friends. This idea was both innovative and controversial at its time, as toy dolls were traditionally associated with younger girls. Hasbro also introduced a companion, Kid Sister, marketed towards girls. Hasbro discontinued the line before the start of the 1990s, and PlaySchool took over production, making changes to the likeness and clothing. Something happened in 1988 that made those stuffed friends and playmates into something that you hid on the shelf in your closet. If your toy company's boy-oriented doll doesn't set the world on fire, you might take comfort in the fact that it partially inspired a series of slasher movies. My Buddy is one of the two dolls said to be the inspiration for Chucky, the evil doll from Child's Play. I know for me, after I saw Child's Play, there was no doubt that old Buddy was going bye-bye. I begged my parents to throw it out. I should have begged them not to let a neurotic seven-year-old watch a horror movie. And Chucky isn't where you draw the line when it comes to the haunted doll. Annabelle is a Raggedy Ann doll claimed by Ed and Lorraine Warren to be haunted by an evil demon. The doll is one of the most famous of its kind, thanks to the films like The Conjuring and Annabelle. Aside from having the usual shenanigans these dolls are usually associated with, Noises, strange smells, walking on their own, making long, uncomfortable eye contact, and polishing off entire trays of baked brownies. Wait a minute. Am I? Nah. Annabelle is also known for having killed a person. Her story is one of strife, horror, blood, and gore. Right now, 
the doll is safely secured at the Warren's Occult Museum. Thank God. A cabinet of curiosity of supernatural objects and cursed mementos. No one dares play with it, and the few brave enough to actually take Annabelle out of her box later recount a myriad of psychic assaults and unnerving dreams. And these dolls aren't just an American problem. In Japan, according to a myth, in 1918, a teen named Ikichi Suzuki bought a large doll from the Hakiado province for his younger sister, Okiku. The two became inseparable, and Okiku gave the doll her own name. At about 16 inches tall and draped in a classical kimono, the doll was lovely. Its hair was raven black, trimmed to roughly shoulder length, in a traditional Okapa hairstyle. Her eyes were penetrating coals that seemed to consume everything up in their gaze. The thing was mesmerizing and spellbinding, something to take your breath away. A couple of years later, Okiku died unexpectedly. Her family came to believe that Okiko's ghost was now occupying the doll. The thing would move around and, even more harrowing, okay, maybe not as much as, hey, that doll's moving, but close. Its hair was growing. The doll now resides in a special shrine in Maniji Temple in Hakiado. The priests of the temple regularly cut Okiku's still-growing hair. In Quinell, British Columbia, is where you'll find Mandy. Mandy's origin is still a mystery. The doll was either made in England or Germany between 1910 and 1920. Mandy is an enamelware baby doll bequeathed to Quinell Museum in British Columbia in 1991. Mandy is also said to have otherworldly abilities. Mandy lies in a container with a toy lamb on her lap and eerily stares back at museum patrons. Visitors have described knowing the lamb outside of its case from time to time. Other guests insist that Mandy's eyes follow them as they walk around the room. The doll earned a certain level of fame when it appeared beside the museum curator and donor of the doll on the Montel Williams show in 2007. But not all dolls are looked upon as something to be afraid of. In Northeast Singapore, this story starts off in 1914, during World War I. Supposedly, the British arrested a German couple in Singapore they presumed were spies. The couple's daughter ran off and managed to get away, only to plunge off a cliff and crash to her death. Natives constructed a reliquary in her memory, with a porcelain altar and a Barbie doll that reportedly contains her crucifix. It is said that the doll holds the child's spirit and soul. The effigy, some claim, is haunted, and over time, it's become a local deity. The doll, benevolent in nature, helps out the community and guards them against ill fortune. Every year, a festival is held, and offerings are made to the doll. And I know exactly what you're all thinking after hearing this. Chris... Where can I get a haunted doll of my very own? Well, I'll tell you. In Lome, West Africa, of course. In Lome, you'll find the Akadazawa Fetish Market. The market is basically an open-air bazaar full of haunted dolls and other arcane knickknacks. The place is full of cursed and divine objects used for all manner of magical rituals. The district of Lome, in the capital of Togo in West Africa, has so many bizarre occult objects that it makes the vaults of Gringotts fail in comparison. The Akadazawa Fetish Market is the largest voodoo market in the world. You can find in its stands monkey heads, skulls, cursed effigies, dead birds, demonic potions, petrified crocodiles, skins, and other products made by tribal sorcerers and warlocks from indigenous plants and dead animals. In the market, aside from a smorgasbord of haunted dolls and magical effigies, you can also purchase love potions, curses, sorcery trinkets, bottled spirits, captive demons, pretty much just about anything you can think of. There is even a section for shrunken heads. I hear they make pretty good paperweights. Hey, folks. You guys know I'm always diving into the dark corners of history, unearthing the stories that are sure to chill. 
Mastering the art of storytelling and research isn't just a passion. It's a craft. That's why I turned to Masterclass. Whether I'm analyzing historical documents or piecing together ghostly tales, Masterclass has been an invaluable resource in honing my skills. Masterclass lets you learn from over 200 of the world's best minds right at your fingertips. And the best part is it's all available for just $10 a month with an annual membership. I've been particularly captivated by the class on investigative journalism taught by Pulitzer Prize winner Bob Woodward. His insights into uncovering the truth may have transformed the way I approach each episode here. What's incredible is that 88% of members feel that Masterclass has made a positive impact on their lives. And trust me, I'm one of them. The depth of knowledge and practical tips I've gained have boosted my confidence and enriched the content that I bring to you every week. As a listener of Haunted American History, you get an exclusive 15% off an annual membership. Just visit masterclass.com slash haunted. That's masterclass.com slash haunted to save 15% on limitless learning. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So what are you going to lose? Don't wait. Join me and start transforming your passions into expertise by visiting masterclass.com slash haunted. I'll see you there. The voodoo in Togo is strong and powerful. The country is estimated to have more than 2 million people practicing voodoo and witchcraft. Voodoo is an important part of the culture, especially in the rural areas of Togo. Many families have their own shrines inside their homes and practice voodoo. The extended family relatives are extremely important in Togo culture, so they are involved in the community's rituals and witchcraft activities. This brings us to an important question. Why are these dolls so much more creepy than your normal everyday doll? Is it because they're older and they've traveled with you through childhood? Perhaps they were a gift from someone who meant so much to you. Or do they just look at you as if they were molded from nightmares, and that glimmer in their eye just doesn't quite sit right? This brings me to Robert, my favorite of the dolls, and one I've met in person. We're going back. Key West, Florida. Eugene Robert Otto, or Gene as his family called him, was just a young boy in the early 1900s when he came into ownership of a straw-filled doll to play with. Gene loved his life-size doll and brought it everywhere with him, even naming it Robert after himself. Robert's life began in Germany. He was made in 1904 by the Steef Factory, a company best known for producing the first teddy bear and high-end collectible bears of today, and was most probably part of an advertising window display of jesters or clowns rather than a standard doll for purchase. There are a few theories as to how Gene came into possession of Robert. The first and most common of the stories is in 1904, while on a trip to Germany, the doll was purchased by Gene's granddad and given to the small boy as a birthday gift. The funky little sailor suit was likely one of Gene's outfits that he used to wear as a kid. There are others that believe that Robert was created by a charming Haitian servant that used to work in Gene's household. The girl had grown fond of Gene and created the doll to protect the little boy. Somewhere along the way, while infusing the effigy with raw magical power, her spell went astray and something wicked from beyond the veil ended up inhabiting Robert. Some also say that Jean's father had in fact abused and mistreated the charming servant. The woman, driven mad by the villainy infected on her, crafted the doll, using voodoo and black magic, and cursed the thing to punish all who came in contact with it. There are locals who say the doll washed up on the shores of Key West, flotsam from a doomed ship. Jean's family salvaged the thing when the boy became enamored with it. Many believe that the devil was responsible for the shipwreck, and that Robert carries in its innards the wrecked souls of the sailors. 
The last conjecture states that it's not the doll, but the sailor outfit that is cursed and haunted. The doll was brought over from Germany, but its original clothing was shoddy and not really up to the standards of Jean's affluent family. One day, Jean's mom became enchanted by the little sailor outfit that was being sold in one of Key West's various boutiques. She bought the piece, dressed up the doll, and Jean, who also liked the sailor outfit, became even more infatuated with the doll. What the matriarch failed to notice was the fact that that quaint old sailor outfit had been repurposed and reconditioned from an old fabric and cloth. It had once been a pajama worn by a boy, of Jean's age, that had died of yellow fever. Its spirit, they say, still vacationing inside that damn suit. Robert was adored by Jean in his youth, and was treated as though he was a living companion. Frequently, when Otto misbehaved, or something would go missing or get broken in the household, the young boy would attribute it to the doll. The reoccurring theme of, Robert did it, is inescapable within the doll's legend. The home where Eugene lived, now called the Artist House, is located at 534 Eaton Street, and was built between 1890 and 1898. It was here that Eugene was given Robert the doll, and where a friendship that lasted throughout his lifetime was forged. While he seemed like an ordinary cloth doll, it wasn't long before Robert was involved in strange and somewhat terrifying events. The first hint that something was out of the ordinary was happening was one night when Jean, who was only around 10 years old, awoke to find Robert the doll sitting at the edge of his bed, staring at him. Jean's parents, sleeping soundly down the hall, are awoken by a loud crash that emanated from their son's bedroom. Jean's mom flies over bed. The house is in pandemonium. A cacophony of noises, screams, thumps, crashes and cracks, hell like gunfire from Jean's room. She stumbles with her husband, both in a panic toward the little boy's boudoir. Mom, help, help, Jean cries. The door is shut. Not only shut, but barred by something that's pushing back. When both parents try to wrench the entrance open, something, a force, counteracts their combined strength. The wood cracking and billowing, almost like it's breathing under their attacks. It's impossible to get in. Windows shatter, lights flicker, the noise and dishonors coming from the room akin to a thousand lion roars. It's deafening. But finally, everything stops. The hellish storm is past. Complete silence. And then by itself, the door swings open. It creeps on salty and rusted hinges. The parents look in. The room, every bit of it, has been overturned. A war zone. Gene is in the corner of the space, crying his eyes out. The only thing left upright is Robert the doll, sitting at the foot of Gene's bed. Gene looks up at his parents with tear-streaked cheeks and says, Robert did it. They have no other choice but to accept the futility of their struggles and realize that this is the cross now that they have to bear. Nobody knows for sure how or why this child's plaything could actually wreak havoc on a child's bedroom or do anything at all. After all, it was just a toy. But the weird and unexplainable didn't stop there. Jean's parents would often hear their son upstairs talking to the doll and getting a response back in a totally different voice. They reported seeing the doll speak and witness his expressions change. Giggling and sightings of Robert running up the steps or staring out the upstairs window were also reported. Robert continued to live with Jean throughout his lifetime, and after Jean's parents died, he moved back into their home with his wife Anne. Jean decided that the doll needed a room of his own and placed him in the upstairs room that had a window overlooking the street. Anne felt uneasy with Robert in the house, and although she couldn't put her finger on it, she wanted Jean to lock the doll up in the attic where he could do no harm. Jean conceded, and as one could imagine, Robert the doll was not happy with his new digs. Soon, visitors to the home heard footsteps in the attic, 
the sounds of someone pacing back and forth, and devilish giggling. Neighborhood children reported seeing Robert watching them from the window in the upstairs bedroom, and told accounts of the doll actually mocking them as they walked to school. When Gene heard this, he immediately went to investigate. Knowing that he had locked Robert in the attic, there was no way he could be sitting by the window of the upstairs bedroom. But to his complete shock, when he opened the door to the bedroom, there was Robert, sitting in the rocking chair by the window. Gene locked Robert back up in the attic several times, each time discovering him again and again sitting by the window in the same upstairs bedroom. In 1974, Gene Otto did what we all eventually will do. He died. But Robert remained. When Gene's home sold, a new owner moved into the house on Eaton Street. Their 10-year-old daughter was delighted to find Robert the doll in the attic. But her delight soon ended when she claimed that Robert was alive. She awoke often in the middle of the night screaming in fear and told her parents that Robert had moved about the room and the doll wanted to hurt her. Enough was enough. Not long after that, Robert the doll, who by then was a minor celebrity in the Florida Keys, was donated to the East Martello Fort, where visitors from all over the world can come and lay eyes on the toy and parlay with the forces of darkness. Robert's reputation for mayhem is known throughout the land. To what extent? Well, former President Bush actually wrote Robert a letter asking for his blessing during his administration. It was really a card sent to Robert for his 103rd birthday. That's right. POTUS, the man with his finger on the red button, made it an agenda item to personally wish Robert a happy birthday and pass along a note that read, and I'm paraphrasing, please, no shenanigans while I'm in the Oval Office. Today... Gene's former residence operates as a bed and breakfast, and visitors can even stay in the old turret room in the artist house. When you visit Robert at East Mortello Fort, you must show the fearsome creature its due respect. Visitors to the museum and staff members alike report seeing Robert move, change expression, and even faintly giggle. The East Mortello Museum encourages visitors to ask Robert's permission before taking photographs. Supposedly, those unwilling to do so are met with a horrible misfortune. Robert is reported to have caused physical harm, car accidents, divorce, and job loss. Yet how is never fully explained. It's common whenever you visit Robert and fail to grasp the gravity of what you're playing Russian roulette with, you will experience what the museum has classified as post-visit misfortunes. Those who do take photographs of Robert and don't ask permission frequently report glitches in their camera, glitches that go away as soon as they leave the museum. To substantiate this, the museum is filled with letters of apology of which Robert receives about five a day, begging for the doll for forgiveness and failing to ask permission. They beg for Robert to reverse their luck, but these letters only show the complaint, not the updates as to whether these pleas work. Not all letters sent to Robert are pleas for forgiveness. Many ask for advice or request curses to be placed upon others. Robert is also the recipient of a steady flow of gifts. After the museum made it known that the doll supposedly had a sweet tooth, his fans from around the world set to sending the doll a deluge of sugary sweets. If visitors to the artist house or museum were to speak poorly of Otto, Robert's expression was set to change to one of anger. Similarly, many visitors have reported watching Robert put his hand up against the glass case. When I personally visited Robert the doll back in 2015, I remember thinking to myself how silly this whole situation was. A large group of adults standing around a doll in a glass box asking if it was okay to take a photo What's even more ridiculous, as I was standing among that group of adults, was how I was whispered out loud, can I please take your picture, sir, before I snap my shot. Robert is quite the modern celebrity. The doll had appeared on TV shows and films, and has even had his aura photographed, whatever that means. 
There have even been several horror films with Robert at their center, with Robert Reborn coming out in 2019 being the most recent. And he also joins my buddy as being the other doll that inspired Chucky. Films or not, this 40-inch high doll continues to be a place of pilgrimage for ghost hunters and oddity lovers alike. Some say he's cursed. Others say he's just a misunderstood spirit. Haunted or not, Robert's legendary status only seems to grow with each passing year. So if you find yourself near Key West in the near future, do pop in and say hello. Why not even take a photo? Just remember, you gotta ask him first. I'm Christopher Feinstein, and this is Haunted American History. Music by Kevin McLeod. 